0: Well, last Sunday we kicked off this new series and studied the first eight verses of the book of Colossians in order to better understand the who, where, what, and why of, of the book. There was a lot of information, um, but the groundwork was laid for this series. If you didn't get a chance to be here, I'd highly encourage you to watch it on Facebook or YouTube, or you could listen to the podcast through iTunes. Our audiovisual uh, director, Matt Hartel, does a great job every week of... yeah of getting it out there, uh, getting our service out there for those who can't make it. Now, before we get into our text for today, I want to spend a minute on one of the keys to understanding Colossians, uh, which is to realize that apparently this church that this letter was written to, uh, or some of the people in this church, held an incomplete view of Jesus. I think we could sum up the problem by saying that they mostly thought of Jesus in the past tense. Now, think about that for a minute. Their beliefs were wrapped up in who Jesus had been and what Jesus had done, not so much in who Jesus is and what Jesus is still doing. Now, I believe this is a problem again today in certain churches. I think even our church can stand to move a little bit in the direction which Paul wanted to move the church at Colossae. Friends, while we here at Go Church are not in danger of failing to embrace the historical facts of the gospel, of what Jesus did in his life, death, and resurrection, we might be in danger of forgetting that Jesus is here with us right now. We might be in danger of forgetting that our God has a name, Jesus. Some of you will remember hymns like, What a Friend we have in Jesus or just a closer walk with thee granted Jesus is my plea would it seem weird to you now if I said maybe you should have just a little talk with Jesus now let us (laughs) could we be in danger of forgetting that Jesus is our God and that as our God he is with us here right now Do you love Jesus? Do you know him? Do you talk to him? Do you ever have any kind of experience with Jesus? Or have you simply accepted certain truths about what he did long ago? Oh, believing in what Jesus did is very important. Make no mistake. But is Jesus more like God to you or more like a historical figure? Jesus is the one who said he would be with us to the end of the age. Is he with you? Who is your God? Is your God Jesus Christ? Now, if you think any of those questions are almost going too far, come back next week. Today will be important, but next week is monumental. Do not miss... Next week's sermon. It's the most important sermon of the series because it covers the most important part of the book of Colossians. You see, this is the primary theme of Colossians. Jesus Christ is God. In fact, I've identified a theme passage that we'll come back to throughout this series. And hopefully by the end you'll have it memorized. Colossians could almost be summed up with these verses from chapter 2. And here it is. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him you have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. Everything important, everything good, everything you need in your life, everything you are as a child of God, everything you could be, though now you may be unconvinced, is all wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the friend you never had in another human. He is everything you need in a God. We are going to learn a lot about how that is true and why it is true together in this journey. Now, the text we come to today doesn't deal directly with the deity of Christ. The big one is next week, as I said, but I wanted to share those things because this is the big picture of Colossians. So let's keep the surrounding context and the theme of the book in mind as we pick up the text where we left off. Chapter 1, Verse 9. Here we go. By the way, if you have a listening guide, that'll help you to follow along. Fill in some blanks and scriptures there. Or it's on the screen. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. First notice that today's passage is a summation of Paul's continual prayer for the Colossian church. Paul's telling them exactly what he's been praying for them. Which is also to say, hey, this is what is important. This is what needs to happen in your lives. This is what needs to happen in your church. Also notice the first words of the passage, for this reason. Obviously, we need to ask, for what reason? Looking back to the preceding verse from last week, you can see that Paul praised them for their love. Their love for each other, for him. And for the all true Christ followers everywhere. For this reason, Paul says, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to do some very important spiritual work in your lives. For what reason? Because of love. That's a good reason. That's the reason for Go Church, if you recall. That's our why. Because of love. And here's the reason for Paul's prayer. Because of the love of Christ and the love of the Colossian church, Paul has not stopped praying and asking God for several specific things. What follows is Paul's prayer list for this recently planted church in the city of Colossae. But why did God preserve this holy prayer list in Scripture for us to study 2,000 years later? Well, it certainly isn't so we can look at it mostly in a historical way. We are called to apply the Scriptures to our own lives and to our own church but as it turns out this summation of Paul's prayer for the church at Colossae makes an excellent model prayer for any church I would even say that we have here a list of the primary things we should pray for hope for and strive for right now today at Go Church in fact I'm going to challenge you to make this your prayer list for Go Church going forward in this season together so following Paul's example let's look at these six prayers that he prayed for the church at Colossae which are also prayers that we should be praying for our church so in terms of application number one we pray that the people of Go Church will be filled with the knowledge of God's will Paul says we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding what does God want me to do How can I be filled with the knowledge of His will? How can I know His plans, His desires, His calling, His thoughts, His ideas? How can I know what God wants me to do? First of all, remember that this is a prayer. Paul is praying for the church, for fellow followers of Jesus. And again, it's preserved by God in Scripture as a great example of what we should be praying for each other in our church. So here's what follows. If you want to know the will of God, you need people praying for you. Let me add that part of God's will for you is that you would be praying for other people. In fact, it might even be true that God will reveal His will for you as you are unselfish enough to ask Him to reveal His will to somebody else. Have you ever prayed such a prayer? Paul prayed such a prayer for somebody else to know and understand what God wants them to do. The bigger point is that this is something only God can do. You see, only God can fill you with the knowledge of his will through spiritual wisdom and understanding. Only God can do the same for somebody else. That means this starts with prayer. And by Paul's example, we can see that it starts with praying for this to happen to others. Also notice our text tells us how we receive the knowledge of God's will through spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding. In the Greek, spiritual modifies both words. And Romans 12, 2 agrees where it says the knowledge of God's will comes through the renewal of our minds. See, the mind is the place of wisdom and understanding. And so what is Paul praying for this church and what should we be praying for each other? We should be praying that spiritual renewal and wisdom and understanding will come into our minds from God. Until we're absolutely filled with the knowledge of his will. Which, by the way, is not so much about some big dream for your life as it is about living every moment with his spiritual guidance. What should I say? What should I not say? What should I type? (laughs) What should I not type? What should I do? What should I not do? In the moment, day by day, the answers to those questions come through spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding. By the way, in the Bible, spiritual is not a generic term. In the Bible, spiritual means it comes from the Spirit of God. It means that God is speaking and you are hearing. God is prompting and you are responding. This is what is meant by the idea of knowing the will of God. This means you are hearing from God. And I most definitely pray that you do. So much of our walk with God happens between the ears, doesn't it? The place of spiritual wisdom and understanding is your mind. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says we're to have the mind of Christ. Another verse tells us to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. There's a battle that goes on in our minds. A battle for spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding, which will always stand in stark contrast to worldly wisdom and worldly understanding. Please hear me say that. Spiritual wisdom and understanding, which lead to the knowledge of God's will, oppose the wisdom, understanding, and will of this world. The voices of this world are almost always in opposition to what God is saying and what God has said. And so this is a battle that happens in our minds. A battle between the patterns of this world and the mind of Christ. Now let me make this real. Hear this. In this battle... For wisdom and knowledge and understanding if what wins in your mind is popular in 2020 I can tell you right now it is almost certainly not God's wisdom or God's understanding or God's will that have won the battle conversely if you feel like you're always going against the thinking patterns and philosophies of these last days you are more than likely on the right track with God should I get specific That's where you get in trouble as a pastor. Generalities are easy. All right, I'll just pick one example. God created gender. Genesis 127, God created man in his own image. Male and female, he created them. And not only did God obviously expect a man to accept that God made him a man, And not only did God expect a woman to accept that God created her to be a woman, but it gets even more offensive. God actually had the nerve to design different roles for women than he did for men. That's the very reason he created genders in the first place. Because he had roles in mind. Roles. That's right. Gender roles were 100% God's idea. According to the Word of God, there are gender-specific responsibilities in the family. There are gender roles in the church. And even beyond those two holy institutions, it absolutely matters inside the will of God for your life, whether or not you're male or female. Nothing could be more clear in the Word of God. Now, let me hasten to say that we should not add to what God has said. Some have abused what God has said. Some are way out of balance. Some have you know, uh, twisted it, used it for their own ends. But right now, I'm just giving you an example of fact that the world around us does not have spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding, which result in no- the knowledge of God's will, particularly when it comes to gender. Instead, they reject God's will completely and even try to force everyone else to do the same. That shouldn't surprise us. But when the church is also straying, Edging toward worldly philosophies. Well, we better start praying Paul's prayer for the church. Again, this is Paul's prayer list for a church. And we can use it as a pattern. So I'm asking you to pray for the people of this church that we will be filled with the knowledge of God's will through all spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding. Secondly, we pray that the people of Go Church will live a life worthy of Christ. Paul continues, and we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, referring back to Jesus Christ. See, as I already implied, people who are filled with the knowledge of God's will have an opportunity to do what He wants done, to live in a way that is worthy of Jesus. Did you know that we all have a general calling as believers? Not just pastors or missionaries are called, that's a different kind of calling a very real kind, but superseding that every single one of us who knows Jesus shares the same calling. Notice this is Paul's prayer for the church, the whole church, not just church leaders, but that every last one of us will live a life that is worthy of Christ. His prayer is for the church as a whole. However, the church is only as strong as the people in it, So listen, are you personally living each moment in a way that is worthy of your Lord? Are you even trying? Should you be trying? Answer, yes. Let's establish something. To be a follower of Christ means that you have pledged your allegiance to Jesus as your king. Jesus called you to be a close disciple, not a casual observer. Jesus did not suggest complete devotion. He demanded it. Many times and in many ways, Jesus said, it's all or nothing for those who follow after me. In fact, he said it so many times in so many ways that if you are only half devoted, frankly, you should be a little concerned about whether or not you are actually saved. For more on that, just read the Gospels. Did you ever notice how Jesus would often pare down the crowds that followed him? This is something I've only understood in recent years. There's absolutely no doubt that Jesus went out of his way. He went out of his way to add a sharp edge to his statements for the direct purpose of shooing away casual observers. What would Jesus do about casual Christians? We don't have to wonder. We know what he did. He intentionally scared them off. So, what is the connotation for churches today? Let me just tell you the connotation is that we're not always going to be growing in numbers. Sometimes we will be pruned. And as the person who knows the most about the coming and going of people, I assure you, we have been pruned many times. It's my fault. <laughs> because I preach the word. Okay, good news to all you. Nobody's told me they left because of you. Luke records one of the times Jesus intentionally pushed away what we would call casual Christians. Luke 14, he recounts, large crowds are traveling with Jesus. Turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, I know that's one of the hardest teachings of Christ. I don't like it. Nobody likes it. But we do need to understand what Jesus was doing. And by the way, even his close disciples often said something like, Wow, that's a hard teaching, Lord. What do you mean by it? But what is Jesus up to when he says things like this? Jesus is trying to leave no room for debate regarding his expectations. Now, Jesus himself made sure his mother was taken care of even from the cross, remember, and his his brothers eventually became leaders in the church. His mother and brothers and sisters were likely in the crowd when he said this. They were there when he ascended into heaven, when he gave the Great Commission, they were there in the upper room. Clearly, Jesus loved his family. So we have to understand that he was definitely using hyperbole, but what is he trying to get across with extreme language? Well, just answer me this. How flat does most of American Christianity fall in light of this statement from Christ? And make no mistake, Jesus said these kinds of things often. He kept trying to weed out the less committed. Why? Why didn't he just let them be? Because he was God. That's why. Jesus was and is God. He is worthy of more than half-hearted devotion. He's Lord. Most, and I do mean most, in fact, the vast majority of those who claim to be Christians in America can't even get themselves to church for an hour or so once a week. Now, it's just one example of how maybe, just maybe, we're not always walking in a manner worthy of Christ. And look, if you don't think church attendance is a good example, I'm not going to argue with you. Maybe you can come up with your own example, but this is my example for today. Now I'll say this, if every person in Clark County who claims to be a Christian had enough devotion to Christ to just show up on Sundays, just to show up when the body meets, every church building in this county would be breaking fire codes. We'd have more people standing outside than inside. In Clark County, for example, I'm fairly sure that pre-COVID, there were under 50,000 people attending churches on a given Sunday. You know, that's just a guesstimate, but I think it's pretty conservative. I'm talking about an area in which half a million people live. So I'd say conservatively, less than 10% of the folks in Clark County are in church on a given Sunday. Now, are you telling me that only 10% of the people in Clark County claim to be a Christian? I bet it's more like 70% who claim Christianity in Clark County. That means there should be 350,000 people in church on Sundays. Not 50,000. I wonder what would happen if 350,000 people came to church next Sunday. I wonder if unbelievers would take notice. I wonder if a few of them might even start tagging along to see what in the world is going on. See, I think the problem is with Christianity We're not living in a manner that is worthy of Christ. I think that if we ever got our stuff together, awakening would come to our land. That's what I believe. And again, I am well aware that church attendance is not the end-all definition of devotion to Christ. Uh, Of course not. But is it not at least one reasonable metric that we can look at and say, hey, maybe most Christians are not living in a manner worthy of Christ. So here's the bigger question. What are we supposed to do about it? well we can start with prayer and we can start by praying for folks in our own church let me get real with you as a pastor I can sometimes tell when people are straying and I'll tell you what else I can't bring them back I can try and I do try a little bit phone call or whatever but I've been doing this for 30 years and I'll tell you it seldom works People who want to be here are here. And the same goes for any other part of the Christian walk. People who want to live in sin will live in sin. Regardless of what I say to them. The only one who can really call a person back to living in a way that is worthy of Christ is Christ himself. What can we do? Well, again, we can pray. As if that was not a big deal. We could pray. For specific people, even. Instead of judging someone, which we should not do, maybe we should pray for them. That's what Paul was doing in this letter. He was praying that the people of the church would live lives worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ. But while I've got you here, let me ask you to ask yourself this question. Am I living a life worthy of my Lord? Maybe you want to go fatalistic on this. Oh, I could never attain to a life worthy of Christ. Well, that's not what the Bible says. And listen, this prayer is not about what you've been doing, but about what you will do. I'm not that worried about what you've been doing. I'd love for you to walk out of those doors today and do something different if you need to. To live a life that's worthy of Christ. Here's your reminder. Jesus is worthy of you living a certain kind of way. You claim his name. As your pastor, I'm praying for you to live that way, and I hope that you're praying for me because I need it. In fact, let's pray for each other to live our lives in a way that is worthy of our Lord Jesus. Next, applying Paul's prayer, we pray that the people of Go Church will be pleasing to Christ. Paul continues his prayer that the people of the church may please him, Christ, in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. So we find out a little bit more of what is involved in living a life worthy of Christ, that, that we may please him by doing two things. First, we can be pleasing to Christ by bearing fruits in every good work. <clears throat> Don't miss the fact that the things we do with our lives have the potential of bringing pleasure to Christ. How awesome it is to know that we, in all of our finiteness, in all of our, our smallness, and even though you and I are only one of billions of people, we can actually be pleasing to Jesus by what we do with our lives. What greater purpose could there be than pleasing our God and our Savior, the one who created us to do good works in the first place? The Bible says, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which, he, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Wow. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Let that sink in. Think of the sovereign plan of God and how it's all dependent upon the work of Christ. It's only because of what Christ has done for us and is doing in us that we can do anything God would call good but it also says God prepared these works for us to do in advance which means he has believed in us all along that we would eventually come around to his will and again to top it all off we can know that when we do take advantage of opportunities to bear fruit and good works it's actually pleasing to Christ he sees and he is pleased Now, I've heard people say you can't do anything to please the Lord. They they, they say you're just too bad and God is just too good. That's garbage. We were created and recreated in Christ Jesus to do good works for his pleasure. That is why we were born and it is why we were reborn to new life through faith in Jesus, to bear fruit in every good work. This is pleasing to Christ Christ. And it's why you're here on earth. Look for those moments and be fulfilled knowing that Christ is pleased with what you have done. Secondly, we see that Jesus is pleased as we are growing in the knowledge of God. Jesus was a teacher first. And all teachers are pleased when their learners learn. We should never stop growing in the knowledge of God. This is pleasing to Christ. I'm tempted to go back to the issue of church attendance because I'm pretty sure we grow in the knowledge of God here. You know, through the preaching of his word. But I'll go ahead and mention instead that this is something that needs to happen in your daily life. There's no exhausting the knowledge of God. That's the joy of it. There's always more to learn. And the knowledge of God isn't just facts. It's not just learning facts. We're talking about spiritual food from the word of God. The consuming of which fundamentally rewires your brain. Builds spiritual muscles. It's about teaching that changes the way you think and the way you live. But how do we accomplish this? How do we grow in the knowledge of God? Well, you could probably all answer that question, couldn't you? Do I even need to say it? Study the Bible. Try to be in a smaller group where you can learn with others. And yes, again, come to church every Sunday to hear the preaching of God's word. Apply scripture in your everyday life decisions and your moments. But more than anything, listen. Listen to Jesus every day, every moment. Listen to what the Spirit of Christ in you wants to show you. That's how you grow in the knowledge of Him. We pray that the people of Go Church would be more and more pleasing to Christ, both by doing good works and by growing in the knowledge of God. Number four, we pray that the people of Go Church will be strengthened with the power of Christ. Paul continues, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. This is where it gets real today. And by real, I mean powerful. Is this church just another organization for doing good or just another school for learning? Answer, no. We are a family support system through which people are strengthened together in the power of Christ. Jesus told the very first little band of Christ followers, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses all over the world. I could talk about the needs of the church at large. No, we need, the church needs power. We we need some of that these days. But let's be honest, we could use some revival around here. We could use an infusion of the power of Christ. We are tired. I'm tired. (laughs) I remember what it took to move my first church plant forward after the first part was over and all the fluff had fluffed. You know what it took? Bevan knows. You know what it took? It took years. That's what it took. So with the setbacks of COVID and the momentum we lost, it's hard not to feel tired, knowing it's a long journey. What can I say? I have high expectations, but enough about me. How's your spiritual battery? Does it need a recharge? Are you like me, tired of waiting for the something? Could somebody declare this to be, I don't know. Waiting for restoration? Waiting for uh, the return of freedom? Are you tired of waiting for normal? Or are you simply hurting from loss? Much has been lost. Memories have not been made, friendships have not advanced. Love has not been shared. I could make a long list of losses, and it's far from over. Are you sick and tired of it all? So what do we need? I'll tell you exactly. We need to be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. This was Paul's prayer for the Colossian church. Listen to me right now. I'm seriously asking you to start praying this for Go Church. I'm not playing I'm asking you to pray this very thing for your pastors, for your leaders, and for other people that you know by name, that God would strengthen them through this time, by the power of his glorious might through Christ. Pray this for everyone you know here, for people in whose eyes you can see weariness. Pray for real people, for the people of this church family. Pray we're strengthened with this power because his strength is the only thing that's going to get us through. And how cool is it to realize that Paul did not pray vain prayers? The fact that this prayer is preserved in inspired scripture means it's a reasonable prayer to pray. In other words, this could actually happen. That means that you and you and you and you and you and all of you could actually have the experience of being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. might of Jesus. If we actually pray this prayer, God can come along and strengthen us with his power. I don't know about you, but I would like to get me some of that right about now. So will you pray this with me? All right. I hope you'll take your listening guide and use it as we pray these things together for the people of our church going forward. Number five, we pray that the people of Go Church will develop the patience of Christ. Dun, 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 dun. Not my favorite point today. Paul continues his prayer list saying, so that you may have great endurance and patience. And everybody said, ugh. Or whatever the opposite of amen is. (laughs) Oh, me, I don't know. Again, honestly, this too is exactly what we need right about now. The words here, endurance and patience, have a specific connotation. The connotation is that this church was going through tough times, and they were. Talked about that last week. Colossi was slowly falling apart, like Portland. And the church was right in the middle of it, I mentioned they'd experienced an earthquake in about year 17. The trade route had shifted Laodicea, so they were economically strapped. Another earthquake was about to happen in 60 AD. So yeah, as my mom would put it, they were about to go under for the third time. I think some of us are feeling that way. I can remember talking about endurance and perseverance several months ago. Long months. Frankly, at the time... Months ago, I thought we were almost at the end of this thing. I was wrong. Anybody else? (laughs) But notice Paul doesn't pray for the problems to be fixed right away. Come on, Paul. Instead, he prays for them to have great endurance and patience. Great endurance and patience are needed when problems are great or when they go on for a long time. We need great endurance and patience for 2020, do we not? Can we all acknowledge how much we need this prayer to be answered? Well, but first we would have to pray it. Prayers can't be answered until they are prayed, so let's do that. What's the opposite of great patience and endurance? Well, the exact opposite, I suppose, would be quitting. And sadly, a lot of people are quitting right now. The most extreme form of quitting is suicide. And let me hasten to say that if anyone is struggling, please reach out and let us get you some help. But there are lesser forms of quitting. I know of many pastors who are quitting in one way or another. Many fledgling church plants that I know about are shutting down or they will soon. It's true, it's real. This is happening. Restaurants are deciding never again to open. Business owners are taking early retirement. And I'm not saying that all of those decisions are wrong, but a lot of people are quitting right now. A lot of students are so frustrated that they're basically quitting. I know that many parents of young kids used to having a little help from the school or wherever feel like quitting. Divorce is on the rise. People are quitting. Sometimes it almost feels like the world is about to quit. Can I just tell you that quitting usually doesn't make it better? The prayer we need to be praying is that you and I won't quit. But rather that God will grant us great endurance and patience. And did you know that endurance and patience have a reward? Better yet, the reward with great where great patience and endurance are needed is great. One of the greatest rewards of patience and endurance is that you finally receive relief. One doesn't get to experience the power of relief if there, were, if there was never anything to, to have been relieved from. It's kind of like the hot shower I received after three days of hunting in the woods last week. I felt, it felt better than your average shower. But what if you quit before it's over? There's seldom relief in quitting. Whatever it is, your marriage, your education, whatever it is, there is no relief or reward in quitting. Some of your greatest regrets, some of my greatest regrets in life uh, involved quitting. I've never regretted endurance and patience, never. But boy, do I regret quitting on some things. When it comes to church and what Paul had in mind, how much you endure or how much you quit. I only have time to point out one thing, so here it is. Don't quit on being positive. Don't quit on the vision of go church. We will endure, we will be patient, and those who are still here in a few years will see what God has done. Those who endure will be rewarded. More generally, let's agree to pray for each other, for God to grant us great endurance and patience as we get through this very strange and difficult season together. Lastly, we pray that the people of Go Church will become more thankful for our inheritance. Paul closes out this summation of his prayer with these words, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Paul is really gushing with thanksgiving Here for the fact that these people who make up the church at Colossae, real people just like you, are now saved. That is, they have been qualified to receive the inheritance of heaven, even as saints in the kingdom of light. Paul closes out his prayer joyfully praising God for what is stored up in heaven for these people. Even as he knows they're going through really tough challenges on earth. We ought to learn from his example and pray the same thing for each other. Are you thankful for the salvation of your fellow church members? Ever thought about that? Think about those who have been baptized here. Recently we had a baptism. Several people were baptized. Are you thanking God for saving them? Do you ever stop and realize the truth that the people in this room who have trusted in Jesus as Savior have an eternity in heaven coming our way? No matter what else is going on. These people who are your brothers and sisters, along with yourself, are destined for an eternal inheritance as saints in the kingdom of light. How much time do you spend in thanking and joyfully praising God for this? If you did so, do you think it would have any, any impact on your attitude? Are you having trouble being positive? If so, remember heaven is coming, you know? Gosh, take a chill pill on the election, All right? Heaven is coming. Mad about masks? Relax. Heaven is coming. And not just for you, but for that guy sitting over there next door, in the next row, that woman. For the person that served you coffee this morning, they and you, if you're saved in Christ, have an eternal inheritance being stored up in a place that is so wonderful it's referred to as the kingdom of light. I run into a lot of hurting people these days. Frankly, I run into a lot of people who are crying out, woe is me. Sometimes I'm that person. But does it really make sense if we believe what we say we believe? I'm not trying to belittle someone's pain and there's a time for mourning and you know I want us to be real with each other. But is there anyone else who could stand to realize that your eyes have been focused on the wrong things? And that's why you're so down. Look up. Get your head up. Because of your faith in Jesus, the Father has qualified you to receive the eternal riches of heaven as saints who will dwell forever in the kingdom of light. With that in mind, I think we can survive 2020. Or if we can't, no big deal. Listen to God's word today. Listen, if you don't get anything else, God, the Father, has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. What other reason do we need to be joyfully thankful? Nothing could change your life like gratitude, so remember our context. This is a prayer list, a great example from the Apostle Paul, from which we can learn how to best pray for each other in the church. So this week and going forward, let's agree to pray that the people of our church will become more thankful for the heavenly inheritance. I think that could make a really big difference if God answers our prayer. So how do we apply this sermon? We pray for each other. We pray these six things for the people of our church. I think we could do this for the the whole series, but let me just ask for a bite-sized commitment. If you'd be willing to take home your listening guide and pray these six things for the people of Go Church for one week, would you just raise your hand? That's encouraging. Now, I really must be done, but I want to reiterate the importance of next Sunday's sermon. Be here, and if you have anyone who needs to better understand Christianity, bring them with you. Let's pray. Father, this morning I've preached to your church a passage that's about a prayer list for a church. But right now, in this moment, I want to pray for anyone who's here who's not a part of your church. Oh, we tend to think we can just be a part of a church. We're a part of a church. We're part of the whole church. We're Lord, there, there, there's probably at least one or maybe several people here today who have never truly put their trust in Jesus Christ in a personal way. Maybe they're counting on somebody else's faith, a parent. Maybe they just think it's about being good enough. Maybe, maybe it's that they haven't believed yet. But maybe there's someone here today, Lord, who says, I want in on God's kingdom, God's family, God's church. I want to be on God's team. And Lord, your word is so clear. The only way that happens is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So right now, if there's someone here today that wants to sign up, you've already been working in their life. Your Holy Spirit is speaking. That that there would be someone right now who would just in their heart just simply say yes to you. I I need Jesus. I I recognize I'm a sinner. I've sinned like everybody else. I've got stuff. I need help. um, I need Jesus. You know, something like that. Just, just tell him. Just surrender to Christ in your heart right now by faith. You know He's there. You know He's real. You believe He died on the cross and He rose again because He's God. And today, you're ready to just say, "Yes, I need Jesus to be my Savior." Come into my heart. Take my life. Show me how to live. Just surrender to Jesus today. Many of us in this room have had that moment. And then we were baptized just to let everybody know because that's what Jesus said to do. So if that's you today, I just pray you tell him. It's not some long, ornate prayer with these and nows. It's just say yes to what he's wanting to do in your life. Just surrender to him. Turn to him. If that's you today... If that's happened for you recently, I hope you'll let me know. You, can, you really actually can just use the response card, the communication card, if that's easiest for you. And then I'll, I'll email you or something. We can see if you want to have a conversation. Just, just let me know. And we'll go from there. Father, thank you for your church. Thank you that people turned out today. I know many uh, have colds and stuff and different things. And everybody's still worried. And there's just a lot of reasons that it's hard to have as much of a crowd. But today's a good day and people came. And I thank you for that. Lord, I do pray for tonight, for the memorial service that many of us will be at, uh, for Marv, what a wonderful, wonderful man, an uh, amazing church member, uh, just one of those people you can just point to and say, there is a godly, Christ-like man. Thank you for Marv. He's so, it's such a loss here, but we know what a gain uh, in, in, your, in your heavenly kingdom pray for the memorial service tonight all the details it'll all work out Um, thank you for Tamara and mandy and others in the family that have worked so tirelessly and so hard and i'm sure there are other names of people who have worked hard thank you for this time together as a church thank you for loving us in jesus name amen thanks for listening to go church's weekly sermon podcast if you enjoyed the sermon be sure to rate and review us If you want to learn more about the ministry of Go Church or catch up on previous sermons, check out our website, www.gochurchpnw.com. You can also connect with Go Church on Facebook and Instagram.